In this episode, we continue our three-part series as we count down the top 10 shows of 2022. Last week, we started at number 10, and today we'll pick up at the show ranked number 7 and work down to number 4. Here are the topics we'll hit on today's show. Expanding your cattle herd in an upmarket, a Canadian ranch tour, the evolution of using horses on our ranches, and finally, fall cow work. We're counting them down, the top shows of 2022 at 7th through 4th on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. We welcome you here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. I hope you're listening and you're thought out. Man, oh man, it has been just unreal. The cold temperatures that we've seen stretch across pretty much, you can say, all of North America uh, this last week. And uh, as we'll hear from Don Day later in our show, it sounds like we're going to see a little bit of a reprieve from the cold temperatures. But he says, keep in mind, we're still in winter months, so we're going to see some winter carrying on. But maybe some of that we're going to be seeing is in the form of some snow. Uh, and so for folks that are really wanting to build a good snow base up in the mountains for this summer that where we're going to need it, yeah, that's going to start to happen. We're going to hear a little bit more about that. So join us at the end of our show here today as we talk with meteorologist Don Day as he joins us as he does in every show. Well, today's show, if you heard in our very, as we began, we're going to continue with part two of episode 99 as we continue our countdown of top 10 shows of 2022 as we take your votes as listeners on there, out there that uh, download it through the podcast sites. We take and look at the first week downloads, one month downloads and total downloads, kind of put that all together. And I kind of joked about last week a little bit about taking it to the accounting firm of Dewey, Cheatham and Howe, and uh, they gave us the tabulated everything and gave us the results on that but uh, kind of a joke there I hope you caught that but nevertheless uh, we do have a top 10 list last week we did uh, uh, started at 10 worked our ways down to number 8 and just to recap a little bit on that the show that came in at number 10 was episode 85 on carbon credits Uh, the show that came in at number 9 was episode 97 on sustainable beef LLC a packing plant starting up in Nebraska and uh, the show that came in ranked number 8 was episode 80 using long-term forecasts for stocking decisions. And so we'll continue today. We're going to work through four shows today as we work for, start at number seven and work our way down to number four. Be sure to join us next week as well as we'll get to the top three episodes that we have in our rankings here for 2022. Well, I want to give you an update here on this show today because I had been talking about it in previous shows and it was about Hydrabed selling their 20th thousand Hydrabed. They did that through uh, Big Iron uh, on online auction and that sold on the 21st of December this past week. Here's what it went for. It went for $16,750 and all of that money going to raise money and awareness for kids with type 1 diabetes. So thanks to the the buyer on that and also a big thank you to Hydrabed and congratulations to them on their 20th thousand Hydrabed. A thank you to our sponsors here today Zinpro Perfusion Drench. Optimized performance from the start with Zinpro Perfusion Drench and the American Cemental Association 
Heterosis works, which is why with Simmental, it's more per head, period. Find out more at Simmental.org. And gain smart mineral by Biozyme. Increase pasture utilization with the Amifirm Advantage found in all gain smart minerals. Find out more at Gainsmart.com. And finally, Performance Ranch. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch. Find out more at PerformanceLivestockAnalytics.com. Well, right now, let's check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land, especially those of you who are dealing with this terrible winter weather. God bless you and your efforts. You are taking care of the livestock every single day, the neighbors, yourselves. And uh, we just we're following it all on our Facebook page. Thanks for sharing with us. And we're right there rooting for you. This is the Christmas season. We can't forget what it's really all about. And I know a lot of you folks understand that. I'm, I'm proud of that, proud to be part of that group. Now, we have a problem here. Uh, the US FDA is cautioning horse owners not to feed uh, top of the Rockies alfalfa cubes with a special code number. You can go to the Texas Animal Health Commission website and get all this information. But um, apparently it is uh, causing some problems with <laughs> some major problems with horses. Uh, The symptoms are attending veterinarians and state officials have reported that horses have shown symptoms of neurological illness, including muscle tremors that rapidly progressed to the whole body, weakness, depressed tongue tone, agitation and inability to stand. If you see these symptoms in your horse, seek immediate veterinary care. Now, the problem here is that uh, uh, the FDA is aware that at least 98 horses in Colorado, Louisiana, New Mexico, and Texas have shown these signs. At least 45 of these horses have died or were euthanized due to declining health. So top of the Rockies alfalfa cubes, contact your veterinarian or your nutritionist and Make sure that you're on point when it comes to this very important topic. God bless every one of you out there. And Justin, you're just doing such a terrific job here. I hope you and your family have a great Christmas. Everybody has one. And we'll catch up to you down the road. That is my two cents. Adios. All right. Thanks, Captain. And uh, happy holidays to you and Christine as well. We wish you the best and appreciate all the hard work that you do. You guys do on behalf of uh, Working Ranch Magazine and also here Working Ranch Radio Show. When we come back, we're going to step in as we continue working through our top 10 shows of 2022. We'll start with the show that came in ranked number seven and work down the list to the show ranked number four. We'll get into it when we come back here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the Amifirm Advantage found in all GainSmart Mineral to work in your cow herd. Amifirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting Amifirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big-time return on your investment. To find which GainSmart Mineral formula is right for your herd, visit GainSmart.com. Don't keep your cow-calf herd data in a notebook. 
keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of hurt inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important hurt data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. And if you missed us in the first segment, you know that we are working through here our top 10 episodes of 2022. And in last week's episode, we got we started at number 10 and worked our way down to number eight. And now today we're going to pick up with where we left off. So we're going to start with the show that came in at number seven. It goes back to July 1st of 2022, but it was episode 76, Expanding Your Cattle Herd in an up market. I brought in a friend of mine, Wally Olson out of Claremore, Oklahoma, to talk with me about that. He has a tremendous amount of history and experience in trading cattle and knowing the markets out there. So we're going to pick up with part of my conversation with Wally Olson on this uh, as we talk about expanding your cattle herd in an up market. When we look at this, this opportunity that is before us, what do you feel are some good ways that we need to be looking at when it comes to expanding our herds? One of the, the 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 biggest thing is is and and whether you're just you know like I said coming out of a drought or in the best of times or if the market's going down or if the market's going up what you need to always be doing is just good marketing and and uh, and how that is done is you need to always be looking at the relationships of the market of the different classes of animals today and that's all you can look about everybody's talking about you know what do you think tomorrow's going to do i have not i don't have an idea but i do know one thing there's going to be class animals that are going to be undervalued to other classes and so that's basically what you do and and the way you find out those things is you just do the math and 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 i will give you some examples is uh, and the first example I'm going to work through, and these are today's markets as close as I could find, okay. is that in Oklahoma, Nebraska, a 450-pound heifer sold for uh, $855. I think that's a dollar ninety. And to make her into a bred heifer to weigh a thousand pounds using a dollar a pound, you add those two together, and you end up with fourteen hundred and five dollars in a bred heifer. Mm-hmm. And so now that you know that, you can, uh, you know, start comparing other things like in uh, Torrington in Wyoming, some uh, some bred heifers sold uh, pairs sold for nineteen hundred and fifty dollars. And so you can compare that heifer for nineteen fifty to the bred heifer, and as you work through it, it comes out when you do all the math, when you subtract the, the value of the calf from the cost of the cow, put on your cost to carry that, that, uh, heifer pair for bread again is worth $1,350 versus $1,405. So in other words, those $1,900 bread heifers were a good buy. Okay. Well, and you talk about the heifer, uh, market right now because i believe that's uh when i when you and i talked before or when i sent some questions to you about what i wanted to talk about that was really a a market that i felt had some potential as well we've seen these heifers be 
considerably undervalued, I guess, if you want to call it that way. Maybe I'm not the guy feeding them out other than just putting some grass underneath them. But um, but that heifer market has been has been the weak side of the market in the last several years. Is that what you're seeing as well? The heifer market is 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 usually you know in in a cow herd of all the classes of animals most of the time your weaned heifer calf is the most undervalued animal mm-hmm. and probably in your herd inventory you know is you know the five-year-old cow is the most over, overvalued animal mm-hmm. and and so so you 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 know you need to be watching and capturing you know the appreciation of the heifer calf up to the, you know, the bred cow and stuff. Now you got to realize during the drought, you know, bred cows, you know, were basically selling for killer price. So there was no appreciation. I mean, you know, last January and February was probably one of the greatest times in, to get in the cow business because you, you could buy bred cows very reasonable. And so mm-hmm. you just need to be aware of that. And I use what I call a, cow bell curve, which I compare the value of a heifer calf to the value of the bread cow. And I compare that value of that bread cow to a call cow. And that way I find out how much appreciation going from the heifer to the bread cow is and how much depreciation going from the bread cow down to the call cow. Mm -hmm. And uh, it tells you whether you, what you can do. As we're starting to see this market pick up a little bit, and these cows last year that were uh, that were maybe uh, like you said, bred cows that were selling for killer prices, now have picked up and they have s- some increased in value. So, as we're seeing a market uptick, how do we look at this and understand? How do we work in cow depreciation and understand that uh, in an, in an upcycle in this market? The biggest thing is you just need to all, and I will drill this into you, is look at the relationships of the classes of animals. Okay. And uh, back then, uh, you know, when, uh, when, when bred cows were so cheap, if you compared them, you could buy a young bred cow for the same price as a, as a, a weaned heifer calf. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take, you know, it, it, you, you buy the young bred cow because there's no way you can turn a heifer calf into a bred, bred heifer, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so you just need to be looking at the relationships. And, and if you watch now, you know, the relationships, the bred cow, young bred cows will go up faster, most probably, than yeah. a heifer calf. Yeah. And if you watch, you know, they sold, as I understand, they sold some $3,400 first calf heifer pairs in Billings this mm. last week. You know? And I've talked to a gentleman in Bismarck, North Dakota, and they were talking about $3,600 pairs. You know, we have a very short memory about, <laughs> about, you know, about this. It just, it just amazes me. And, stuff. and, you know, there's, there's still great opportunities out there. Uh, even today. I mean, so you just need to do the math mm-hmm. and understand you know, how to figure out whether a cow is of value in the relationships. And one thing, everybody, lots of people, first, they, they never used to talk about depreciation. And, and now that now people are talking about cow depreciation, one thing that is missing is you've got to have appreciation before you can have depreciation. And so you need to be able to understand and find where your appreciation is coming in your cow herd and then capture that and mitigate the depreciation, you know, and all it is is you just do the math. And what you do is you compare the 
cost of a weaned heifer calf to what it cost you to turn it into a bred heifer compared to the value of your bred cows. And that's basically it. And we'll cut in here as that was just part of my conversation with Wally Olson out of Claremore, Oklahoma, as we were discussing in episode 76, expanding your cattle herd in an up market that went out on podcast platforms on Friday, July 1st of this last summer. And as relevant as it was last summer, it's going to be even more relevant here this coming year as well, probably in the following year. So it's just some good information there to pay attention to. Wally Olson, I've known him for quite some time as I went to his marketing schools. If you want to find out more about his marketing schools you can go to his, his website at olsonranchllc.com and you can find more information on that well stay with us coming up in our next segment we're going to look at the shows that came in at number six and number five when we return on the working ranch radio show Set up the next generation for a productive lifetime with Zinpro Avela 4. Achieve productive success in your cows with 20% increased conception rate and a 16-day tighter calving interval. Calves from cows supplemented with Zinpro hit the ground running with improved immunity and 28 more pounds at weaning. Allow your cows and calves to perform to their full potential with Zinpro Avela 4. And we'll welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills. As we're working our way through the top 10 episodes of 2022, last week we started and we worked our way from 10 all the way down to number 8. And in the last segment, we looked at the show that was at the number 7 slot. And now the show that came in in our rankings at number 6 as we move to our neighbors to the north. And in episode 83 that aired on August 19th of this last summer, we visited and took a ranch tour of the Calgary Stampede's OH ranch telling the story as manager Kent Pigeon and his wife joined me to talk a little bit about what they have going on there let's step into that conversation now Ken let's start first by giving us a little bit of a background here of the OH ranch hi folks this is uh, Ken Pigeon from the OH ranch in uh, Longview Alberta just uh, <laughs> southwest of Calgary about an hour and 15 minutes give you a little history on the ranch uh, the ranch was uh, first came in in 1881 with two fellows named Orville Hawkins Smith and Lafayette French. If you take the O and the H from Orville Hawkins, you come up with the OH brand. They registered that brand in 1881. It was the 25th brand to be registered in Alberta at that time. And then uh, it's one of the two oldest continuously used brands in the province. Okay. And then uh, in 1883, them two boys, they got a little uh, antsy to go look for gold. So uh, they sold the property to the Ings brothers. And when the Ings brothers got here, the Highwood River, which flows through parts of the ranch, um, was flooding. And they had a little trouble crossing the river. And uh, they kind of changed the name to the Rio Alto Ranch. And Rio Alto in Spanish means high water. And it stayed as the Rio Alto right up until 1950s um, when uh, Pat Burns owned it then and then he sold it off in the 1950s and the, rain, the, the ranch's name was officially changed back to the OH Ranch. And then in 1987, a fellow by the name of Doc Seaman uh, purchased the ranch and he was uh, kind of ahead of his time. He was kind of an environmentalist in ways because the uh, Canadian military was trying to purchase the ranch as a training ground. And Doc couldn't see that happening. So under his leadership, 
he bought the ranch and under his leadership uh he had a few things that he really wanted to focus on uh one was conservation management two was rest and rotational grazing three was off stream watering get them out of the uh, the creek beds and out of the out of the river and then he also moved away from hay production and uh reseeded uh any hayland back to native grass wasn't totally successful of of that stuff that he seeded probably 60% of that is still tame grass mm-hmm. and then in 2007 or around there doc also received from the alberta government the environmental stewardship award for ranches okay and this wasn't of course the very first ranch that the calgary stampede had and i know you guys don't manage the other ranch which is uh which is also in operation by the calgary stampede but it wasn't the first technically the first ranch that the calgary stampede was was having to manage no they have a ranch in hannah alberta and they call it the stampede ranch and uh it's about twenty-two thousand acres and uh it basically runs uh, the bucking horse program, the born to buck program, and any bucking bulls or, or, or rodeo livestock are at the Hannah Ranch. Mm-hmm. So you had talked about that when Doc Siemens came in, there was a lot of uh, practices, conservation practices that were put into place at that particular time, and then there was a uh, collaboration with the Nature Conservancy in that. Is that management, uh, do you continue to this day with some of those practices that he implemented in that? Yeah, actually we do, and we try to improve on them if we can. You know, so um, the Nature Conservancy is on the deeded land, and say we want to go develop a spring or do something that might disturb the ground, um, the native ground, we have to go and get an approval from the Nature Conservancy to do that. And uh, that that there's, there's a certain amount of paperwork, hence Deb, uh, <laughs> that has to be done with that to get those approvals. Because it's considered an ecological gift, the uh, the to the NCC, uh, a lot of times your approvals come from Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Depending on your project that you're doing and the extent of it, if it's a brand new project and it's turning new ground, yeah, some of those projects do have to go all the way through Ottawa, like Ken said, for approval. Other times, if it's an existing um, unit or an existing project that we've got and where it's just repairing sometimes it can be done locally but it it, it's a little bit more in depth that's for sure with paperwork and approval processes Mm -hmm. ken let's get now into just the the ranch that some of the day-to-day stuff that you do you know because i think when when folks think of calgary stampede they, they pretty much think of a the event that takes place every summer but also the the phenomenal bucking stock that make up the calgary stampede of their bucking string that they send down the road and they use for their own uh, event but there's also there's also a real working ranch component which is what you all do at the oh ranch so let's get into that from an enterprise mix and just what what all is part of your ranch that you guys are managing on the oh ranch for the calgary stampede basically we're a cow calf operation and uh, we've got 8,000 acres, and, but we only run about 300 head of cow-calf pairs. Uh, we have uh, Angus cows, black and red, with there, there's some Hereford influence in it. But we breed all our cows back to purebred black and Angus bulls. And then on top of that, the cow operation, we also uh, usually in the summer, we um, summer grass about 50 head of young buck and horses for the Hannah Ranch. Our, uh, our calves, we sell them annually on a video sale. We don't hold back any of our replacement heifers. We buy replacement heifers. 
from from a fellow that sold as part of the original herd in 2012, and it's the, it keeps our bloodlines and keeps everything good for us, and we're really happy with our partnership with him. We also are part of the Verified Beef Production Plus program, and that's basically an on-farm food safety with standards and regulations, traceability. Uh, the plus was added in the last couple of years, and it's more to deal with now animal care, biosecurity, environmental stewardship, consumer confidence, everything ranchers are, are, are fighting. One of the biggest fights we have is with, uh, with consumer confidence. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get our educational story out there so that people hear that their, their food is actually very safe and, and uh, raised humanely. Now, with that as well, um, we also manage a um, cattle handling program um, and tracking program called Herd Tracks. And with that, uh, we can track every cc of drugs that we need to give when we're doctoring. We, uh, we can track all the movements of the cattle. We, uh, we track shipping. We track sales. We track uh, mortalities. Um, everything that uh, you know, goes on with a cattle herd. And so that uh, program is a great management tool for, for the ranch as well. And we implemented that about uh, four years ago. So that kind of falls right into line with the Verified Beef program. Um, again, it's consumer confidence, as Ken said. And uh, we have to do an audit, a self-audit every year on that. And then every five years, they, they do an actual audit. And uh, they audit the uh, the, the cow herd, our rangeland, and uh, our animal care practices, and all of that kind of thing. So it's a little more intensive. It's uh, mind you, a lot of people are utilizing technology today, and we're no different. Mm-hmm. So um, this is an online cattle tracking program, and so far we've been very, very happy with it. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll step in here as uh, there's more to that conversation uh, with manager Kent Pigeon and his wife, Deb, of the OH Ranch that the Calgary Stampede owns, as they also talked uh, quite a bit about their relationship with the Nature Conservancy. And I think you'd be surprised to hear some of the comments about that in addition to their role as being educational component to agri- to folks uh, in their part of the country about agriculture and livestock agriculture and, and a great conversation there. Again, that was episode 83, the Calgary Stampede's OH Ranch telling the story, the show that came in at number six in our rankings for 2022. Now we move to the show that came in ranked number five, and it was an interview and a conversation I had with Idaho horseman and stockman Martin Black as we talked about the evolution of using horses here in the ranching industry. It was episode 65, The Horse from Essential to dot, 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 and you kind of fill that in as we talked a little bit about that. Let's step into that conversation now as we're in the middle of discussing bringing on these younger horses you know for myself i'm not as good about of taking that time and not being patient with those younger horses and you get into a situation you're like well i'm just gonna go grab the old horse because i know all the buttons and how that and now that works and not maybe spend a little extra time and effort with that younger horse to get them where they need to be well that's the warrior in us you know the the young male (laughs) syndrome and that's just something that we got to deal with uh you know some people learn it earlier than others and he's you see older guys that still have a short fuse and impatient and get mad at their horse and things like that. But every once in a while you see a young guy maybe in their 20s or something that that, that never comes to the surface. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's frustrating because we want to get more done, but 
we we got to regulate ourselves and and uh, not let ourselves do that. We're we're a predator. Horses are a prey animal, and our brains are different. We we think different. We value things different, and it it, it doesn't take much for us to trigger uh, that horse to go into a self preservation mode and and. Pretty quick, they get to to a point that they quit thinking, they quit reasoning. They have very little ability to reason anyway, compared to us. And you know, a lot of people don't understand that. They think, well, why does he do that? Well, he thinks different than we do. His, his brain's wired different. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that gets in people's way. You know, when it, the horse knows you're mad before you know you're mad. You know, and and uh, <laughs> they go into the self-preservation mode and start protecting themselves instead of learning or trying to trying to get with you and help you and whatnot but if we can if we can eliminate that that's huge and that's what you know tom dorrance and, and some of these guys have have really brought uh to the surface you know for people and that's what a lot of these clinicians are, are kind of trying to present to people they don't have near what tom had they don't have the miles or, or the experience or the knowledge you know but but in so many ways you know and they're, they're, that's what they're trying to, to get across is a kind, gentle way, but uh, that kind of goes overboard to where we pet them and feed them treats and we can't really get anything done with them when it, when it comes to doing a job too, you know. But but again, that's that's what sells to the, the ladies in town because mm -hmm. yeah, that, that kind of fits the nurture. You know, that's what I call the the older females is the nurturers and the younger males are the warriors. And, you know, that's, that's by nature, you know, people are wired that way, so... Not a criticism to either one. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, the, the young males need to soften up and be a little more of a nurturer, but the the nurturers at times, they need to firm up and have a little more warrior in them too. To where, you know, they're, they're not lap dogs, these horses. They're they're big and they can hurt you. They get scared. They run over you. And they get they get hurt. I've seen just as many people get hurt, you know, with the with the kindness and the, the gentle horses as, uh, you know, a bronc that, you know, you need to kind of watch. Mm -hmm. Back to where we're at with the average size out there and trying to find justification. Maybe there's that desire to use horses, but at the same time, when it really comes down to it, it's really easy to just jump on the four-wheeler and go out there and do the job. And so the time, the economics of it is something that guys kind of kind of weighs in and I feel is our dilemma here in 2022. Yes. Uh, and no, it takes longer to saddle a horse and you know, go do a little job, and and you you could do it in half the time. You know, just to run out and check your cattle. Say, for example, a little forty-acre pasture. Well, yeah, you could run around there on a four-wheeler and see that everything's all right way quicker than you could. You know, probably just catch your horse and saddle it and have him ready to get on. Especially if it was a young horse, you know, you need to take a little extra time with. So, so that's changed. But on the other hand, uh, my son teaches at a college, and he's got a program. He's, he tries to show people where. The value of selling made horses, you know, offsets the the, the time that you put into it. Um, and I, and he's got a good point there, I think. And and that is to be more specific. You, you know, if you're not selling horses, you don't get anything for your time, extra time that you put on that horse. But if you are, you know, in in four or five years down the road, you got to beat up wore out four wheeler that is worth nothing. <laughs> versus you go do that job on a horse and yeah it might take you more time to get him saddled going 
but at the end of that four or five year period or even even a 90 day period if you know you want to turn young horses over point is you can turn that young horse over and if you're interested in in the horsemanship side of it and the horse training side of it if you want to use that term uh you can sell that horse for i mean holy hell there's horses <laughs> selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars now i can't gildings i, I can't understand <laughs> yeah. this market today it's crazy yeah, yeah. But I mean, ranch horses are in big demand. You know, I think, and I think that's part of the cycle. Here is, you know, the clinicians, and I don't mean to sound like I'm being critical, but, but they've sold this horse breaking thing uh, to people, and and yeah, it's good till you get out of a walk and you, you know, you got to head that cow off, and the horse still isn't broke. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people have, you know, it's took them a decade or two to figure this out, but. They're better off to pay a little extra money, especially when the hospital bills factor into it. They're better off to pay a little extra money and just go to get a good broke horse. Well, where do you find them? Mm-hmm. You know, unless, unless, not that they're not other places, but one of the best places to find them is a good broke horse coming off a ranch. Mm-hmm. So if the ranches, uh, and, and that's what's selling for such ridiculous money. I mean, these good ranch horses are selling for more money than a lot of the the top show horses um, explain that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't have to have a fancy pedigree or you know they like them to look pretty everybody likes a pretty horse but <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know that so there's an argument there that you know if a guy will just kind of take a little interest take a little extra time and go check your cattle on that colt like you're talking about you know calving or whatever it might be uh they're i mean and and young horses aren't that expensive so if you do the economics of it, you know, you you pay a thousand or, or several thousand dollars for a young horse, you know, you go to turn him over, we'll just add a zero or two to it. Mm-hmm. That, that that kind of changes the economics of just, and especially the price of four wheelers today. Yeah. And we'll step in and pull away from that conversation that I had uh, back on Friday, April 8th of 2022 with Idaho horseman and stockman Martin Black. It was episode 65 as we talked about the evolution of using horses on our ranches. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. If you want to also find out more information on Martin, you can go to his website at martinblack.net. Uh, he's also on various the various social media sites and has a great YouTube channel as well. So number five in our slot was episode 65 talking about the horses use here on our ranches. Well, stay with us coming up after the break. We're going to get into our last one for this show. And that's uh, the show that came in ranked number four. Be sure to tune in next week as we're going to be going through our top three shows as well. But coming back after the break, what was the show that hit the number four slot in our episodes for 2022? You'll find out when we return. Starting off in the right direction is essential to gaining an advantage later when you go to market your calves. And I have proof that the right direction is with Sim Angus Sired Calves. A 2020 study by K-State showed that Sim Angus Sired Steer Calves earn more at sale time than all other breed identified sire groups with at least 50 lots represented on Superior Livestock's 2020 summer sales. The proof's right there. For low-risk, high-potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. 
And we welcome you back here to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm Justin Mills as we continue working ourselves down the list of the top 10 episodes of 2022. And in this segment, we're going to be looking at the show that came in ranked number four. And if you're wondering just how that uh, the rankings were established and in our and how we put them together, well, it really kind of came down to you all, the listeners, and those that downloaded the shows. We looked at first week downloads, one month downloads, and total downloads, and then kind of put uh, some weighted numbers and and looked at some different matrix matrixes in there to, to determine that. And so here is the show that came in at number four, and it aired on uh, Saturday, September 7th, 17th is when it came out on the podcast platforms, episode 87, Fall Cow Work, Are We Making the Most out of It? And it was a conversation interview that I had with Dr. Steve Paisley with the University of Wyoming. And the basis of it really was getting down to just being efficient with what with what those times that we have the, the cattle in that we're working them and uh, basically putting that all into perspective so that we're not overstressing the livestock because we know that stress leads to really poor utilization and efficacy of uh, vaccines, but also just uh, sickness, and which would lead to death loss as well. So let's step into that conversation now as we talk about fall cow work. And here is part of that conversation that I had with Dr. Steve Paisley with the University of Wyoming. From your mindset, as you look at preconditioning, what are some of those ways? I know this is where the BQA stuff might kind of come into this conversation as well. But from your perspective, what are some of the ways that we can reduce stress in these cattle during preconditioning i think ways we can address that is first of all maybe when we can gather those cattle hopefully we can do we can pick times that are relatively cool hopefully we can do it early in the morning uh, try and isolate that into time periods where we can reduce heat stress on the cattle uh, maybe even we do uh, we don't do it all in one day maybe we can move them closer to our working facilities one morning and pick another morning to move them a little bit further Maybe we can uh, divide up some of the activities we need to, or, or management we need to do with those cattle and just try and, and uh, give those cattle enough time to rest and recover as we do it. I know uh, we preconditioned it at home. We preconditioned and vaccinated heifers. And uh, we, were, we had our first calf heifers in. We're trying to preg test those. Well, by the time we get everything done, it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and, and – uh, Every the cattle are tired, we're tired, we're grumpy. Um, you know, trying to manage that and, and schedule some of these things so we can reduce the amount of stress just from a time management standpoint. Uh, other things to address too while you're at it is you know how we handle those cattle and and uh, can we work them quietly, can we work them slowly? Just some of the basic fundamentals. Uh, a lot of times we we look at the, our watch or we look at the the temperature and and we're we're trying to speed up and we try to do things more quickly and and that ends up just uh, hurting us uh, later on. So, you know, work cattle slowly, uh, kind of understanding the basic fundamentals or concepts of of uh, pressure and release, uh, getting cattle to respond to what you want them to do, and uh, all of those types of things I think can reduce stress and that's beneficial all the way through. Uh, not only do you end up producing calmer cattle, but I think you reduce the stress and you improve the vaccine response mm-hmm. to those cattle once you do get that vaccine in them and, and go through the preconditioning process. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something just a bit ago, and maybe I jumped ahead into some other conversation here first, but it says maybe, you know, defining what preconditioning is. Uh, that that could be different for different folks. So maybe let's back up a little bit and let's let's put some definition to preconditioning. Yeah, 
in a lot of cases, we've we've had to define what preconditioning is through some of the marketing avenues we have for our cattle. So if you market your cattle on a video or you work through some of the uh, organized programs that are out there, preconditioning can mean a VAC 45 program where we have a specific set of vaccines that we need to give to those cattle, uh, which includes a 45 day dry lot period or 45 day weaning period before those are cattle are marketed. So the traditional VAC 45 type of a program is that um, mm -hmm. I don't, that doesn't necessarily, I mean, if you market your cattle based on that and, and you've got them listed based on that type of a program, you know, it's important to follow those protocols, uh, make sure it's documented uh, so that you can remain in compliance uh, with those marketing programs. But there are other options and alternatives out there. If if you're like many of us this year and we've got a limited amount of uh, meadow hay or a limited amount of uh, grass down around our receiving pins, uh, we're probably not looking at a traditional dry lot receiving program or traditional dry lot weaning program. Getting some type of vaccination or preconditioning into those cattle, preferably three to four weeks prior to weaning is just critical. Mm -hmm. And so if you can manage that, if you can get cattle in prior, uh, preferably three weeks prior to weaning and get your first round of vaccines in those cattle, I think it's beneficial all the way around. I would I would encourage, you know, regardless of how you choose to, to market those cattle, um, documenting, you know, what products you used, uh, the timing of when you gave those shots, even if you're going to sell those cattle uh, through the local livestock auction, uh, I think Providing that information is important to those buyers. Uh, I think that that means something to all of them. And I think not only documenting, writing it down, keeping track of what you did, but also communicating that to the buyers is a really important step. Mm -hmm. When we bring these cattle in and we do the preconditioning, what are some other things that we could be doing to take advantage of that time of we've got those cattle in the corral? Is there other things we could be doing at that time? Not maybe just with our calves, but with our, but with our cows as well. I think there definitely is um, certainly we can be sorting those calves. Maybe we've got the ability to to sort our herd into steers and heifers to at least get a part of that initial sort out of the way before we wean calves. If you think about shrink and how we market our cattle and depending on how you market those animals, the less we handle those cattle, uh, the more quietly we handle those cattle, the less shrink we get on those cattle, the less amount of stress. And so anything we can do ahead of time to reduce stress at the time of weaning, I think is is really important. So if we can sort steers and heifers and pair those off in that manner, I think that's a that's something to consider. Another option that that might be of interest to some people is, um, you know, we could we could preg test at preconditioning, whether it's uh, with the veterinarian or maybe you choose to do a blood test on those cattle, uh, getting that information and having that information handy for when you do wean uh, will reduce the amount of work that you do the day of weaning. Uh, maybe we'll just allow you to sort those cattle at the day of weaning rather than preg testing and everything else. Um, those are all options to think about. Um, and any additional work maybe that you need to do to those cows uh, prior to weaning is, is beneficial. So I think, you know, planning ahead, as we mentioned before, whether it's uh, choosing your vaccine and maybe even if we step back before that, you know, um, if we, if we have some idea when we're going to wean those calves, uh, thinking about your mineral program, uh, maybe 60 to 90 days prior to weaning and addressing some of those types of things 
as early as that can help and improve response to vaccination, improve your overall herd health, uh, reduce your amount of sickness. All of those things can be factors, and that's all information that you can communicate once you do decide to market those cattle. And we'll cut in here as that was just part of my conversation with Dr. Steve Paisley with the University of Wyoming. As we talked in episode 87, Fall Cow Work, Are We Making the Most of It? That aired on September 17th of this last year. That's the show that came in, ranked in the number four spot in our shows for 2022. And I believe it's a show that uh, is going to have a lot of shelf life because it's not only applicable to this last year, but it really has a lot of a lot of usefulness for upcoming years as well as we really do need to be thinking about uh, as we get before we get into that time of the year. When do we plan to market these calves? Back that calendar up a little bit and then begin to look at our fall work and putting that on the calendar accordingly and trying to make it so that we can work these cattle in a, such a way that we don't overstress them and make the most of our time and our resources in that. So you can go back and listen again. The show ranked number four was episode 87 fall cow work are we making the most of it well as we take a pause uh, in finishing out our top three we're going to be doing that next week so be sure to tune in to next week's episode but coming up after the break meteorologist Don Day joins us as we talk about probably really the number one topic that's been on our minds for the last couple of weeks and that is weather we're going to talk about it with meteorologist Don Day after the break don't keep your cow calf herd data in a notebook Keep it in the cloud with Performance Ranch and say so long to decoding handwritten notes. Performance Ranch is an easy-to-use app that simplifies record-keeping and makes decision-making easier. Keep track of herd inventory, monitor health records, and manage costs all from your iPad or iPhone. Group texting important herd data? Delete it. Use Performance Ranch instead. Go to performancelivestockanalytics.com and be the first to know when Performance Ranch is ready to launch. And welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills with you as we're joined now by meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. And, you know, our shows here the last week, this week, and next week are all going back and picking out the top 10 shows. And while that, that may seem somewhat important in some ways, the weather has really capitalized a lot of everybody's attention here for the last couple of weeks. And as you and I were talking before we went on air, you know, for for some of us, it's the last two weeks has been pretty pretty brutal. Yeah, I tell you, the last two weeks across the parts of the central and northern Rockies, and especially the central and northern high plains, this two weeks has just been absolutely brutal. We had a one of the strongest December blizzards I can remember a week ago, a little more than a week ago. And then we have witnessed the biggest Arctic <laughs> outbreak that North America has seen, at least in terms of intensity and size and scale since maybe back to the late 80s and early 90s. Mm. So back-to-back uh, -back weeks of really intense winter weather conditions, and uh, it's been difficult. Um, and so I know it's been hard on folks, and this will be a December that a lot of folks are going to remember. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be seeing here for the next couple of weeks, and I'm going to equate it to a flushing toilet, okay, because the weather's <laughs> kind of been in the toilet the last couple of weeks. So we're going to say when you flush a toilet, it has to rebuild that reservoir, and that's kind of where we're going to be at here for the upcoming few weeks is we've had this pretty extreme cold weather, and now it's going to have to reload. So we're going to see some mildness to it, but by no means are we out of winter 
Exactly. Uh, but there, there's one good thing about the, the natural response to the last few weeks of intense winter weather is for the Mother Nature to sort of counterbalance that with a shift. And we see this typically after a large Arctic, Arctic outbreak in particular, is when you release all that cold air out of the higher latitudes, that changes things with the jet stream. And we will enter a phase uh, across most of the central and western United States and really most of the country to where after this uh, Christmas time snowstorm and Arctic outbreak eases, we'll go into the, the New Year's time frame with a little bit more of a milder trend. And what this will mean is, is that less Arctic air and more in the way of North Pacific air. Now, North Pacific air does not necessarily mean we've got a really big warm up coming our way, but temperatures are going to be more moderate. We do not anticipate a big Arctic outbreak again for another two weeks maybe three. I don't really want to go past two weeks. But one thing we will see is that Pacific offering up some moisture. So we're going to see some rain and snow come back into California and the Pacific Northwest. And these systems will move across the northern tier. So the northern Rockies and the northern plains, while there may not be severe cold, there's going to be some often opportunities for a little bit of snowfall as well. Yeah, and that's one of the things you talked about is we're going to see maybe some uh, buildup of some of the snowpack, which is going to be very valuable for the western half of the country that really does rely on that later on. And, it, of course, it affects the Midwest, too, uh, the, the snowpack that we see here in the Rocky Mountains and up into Canada as well. But that's what we're going to see maybe some build on to that. Yeah, we will. As we talked with during the last program, the snowpack it was off to a really good start. And we see as we go through the last days of December into the first week or two of the new year, that that trend will continue. So it, it's good news overall. We're going to see some relief from the intense winter weather. But at the same time, we're still going to have systems coming on through. Mm-hmm. I forgot to ask you this question or prep you for this before we uh, we went on air here. But I received a question from a, a listener out of Big Piney, Wyoming, Robbie McNeil, who emailed me. And you and I had talked previously about these weather apps that are on our phones. And I mean, they may be good for about three, four days out at, at tops. But is there uh, is there a weather app that you feel has the best reliability or you don't really want to give your OK on one or, or anything? Because I know a lot of folks, I mean, that's where we get a lot of our weather besides what we get from from you. But beyond that, is there a weather app that you would prefer? Well, I, I, I get this question frequently. And what I what I do tell folks is that I think personally the best source of information, especially when you want to be able to look out a little bit further, that five or 10 days or whatever, is uh, the National Weather Service uses weather forecasters who do take the time to interpret the models and to make corrections to them to try to make the forecast the most accurate. Um, A lot of the phone applications and a lot of the uh, online applications that you look at for them to be able to serve the world with weather information, what they just do is they just automatically take the weather modeling data, raw data, and present it to you. Now, they'll present it to you in different formats. It'll look different. They've got a different way to color the maps, make different icons. But they don't have somebody acting as that human filter, so to speak, to say, you know what? That doesn't look right. I'm going to change it. Now, that doesn't necessarily help for a 10 or 15 day forecast 
But I will be honest with you, I don't think it's very useful to have a 10 or 15 day forecast if it's only going to be right half the time. Mm -hmm. So I tell folks, concentrate on that five day to seven day period. That's when you're going to get the most reliability. And you're going to get that from your local and national weather service office. Now, the weather service by design can't be flashy and they can't design these really awesome apps like you you yeah. see these other places provide. They can't because then the government's competing with private industry. But when it comes to agriculture, aviation, people who really need critically as accurate information as possible, go to your local weather service office is what I recommend. Okay. All right. Well, and it's a, it's something I've thought about too. I'm like, well, you know, I've got two different weather apps on my phone, wondering which one is more accurate than the other one. And when it gets down to about uh, 12 hours out, they're really a lot more accurate. <laughs> Here, here's an idea. Get about 20 apps on your phone. <laughs> Take an average yeah, and divide by 20, and there's your forecast. <laughs> there you go. All right. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate the information here today, and uh, thanks for joining us here again on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Have a happy holiday. You too. And again, that was meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. His website can be found at dayweather.com, or you can find his YouTube channel as well, where he kicks out a daily video podcast every Monday through Friday morning. We'll stay with us coming up after the break. In the essence of our going through the top 10 shows of 2022, I'm going to list out some of those shows that I think are honorable mention, and we'll put a wrap on this week's show when we come back on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Do you have a young child, grandchild, niece, or nephew that loves the weather and wants to learn more? Day Weather has produced a children's weather journal full of weather facts, fun weather experiments, coloring pages, and pages to record weather observations for every season of the year. The weather journal is for ages 3 to 7 and designed to be fun and educational. The interactive weather projects are fun for the whole family to take part in. For only $10, the Day Weather Weather Journal is a great gift idea for any occasion. Click on our Amazon link to order at dayweather.com. Well, be sure to join us next week if you want to find out what the top three shows were of 2022 as we continue our series. In the meantime, here are three shows I'm going to throw in the honorable mention category. Episode 93 on weather events and climate change. Episode 59, have you thought about sheep? And episode 98, this aired just a few weeks ago, is are you prepared for some of these animal health products that are going to go from over-the-counter to prescription products? Just a few you might want to go back and listen to as well. The Working Ranch Radio Radio show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, branded number one by America's Ranchers. My email address is justin.workingranch at gmail.com. Thanks again for joining us. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long. <laughs>